Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Wednesday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Just one hour today from 4 to 5 p.m. For a good reason. We are going to replay the John Madden tribute. Uh, what, Monday night uh, up in Oakland at the Oakland Coliseum, uh, or whatever they're calling that nowadays. Uh, but we all know it as the Oakland Coliseum, and uh, they had a great tribute for the late John Madden. Um, family members, former coaches, Andy Reid was there, uh, Steve Mariucci. Uh, so we're going to replay that on uh, right after the show, 5 to 6, p- uh, 5 to 6 p.m. We're also going to have Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, who is there in Oakland covering the ceremony. Uh, hey, and get- I, yes. just, I just want to tell you real quick, it was at the Oakland Coliseum, the greatest Coliseum ever. And oh, oh. <laughs> had to get that in there. <laughs> No Olympics at the uh, Oakland Coliseum, by the way. There's two in the Los Angeles Coliseum. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, so uh, I, hey, I, I always loved uh, going to cover games, whether it was baseball or football at the Oakland Coliseum, without question. And, you know, that's the whole thing about Southern California, Northern California. We're all Californians, but we're going to protect our turf, and that's cool. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, when it gets right down to it, we're like brothers and family members because when, the minute somebody starts talking bad about California, we all rally together, whether you down in San Diego, Los Angeles, up in the Bay. You heard um, Dr. Dre and, and Snoop Dogg uh, talking about it. California love. It's all California love. But even within families, you know, you're going to uh, playfully and, and uh, protect your side of town. So that's just the way it goes. So a lot of that today uh, with the uh, Rams parade. Uh, being televised and some of the pot shots that were being taken uh, early on in uh, the parade and some of the uh, shots where fans were or weren't, uh, it grew into a pretty nice little deal for the Rams today. And I keep saying, you know, I, I, we, Devon got into this on Twitter and everyone thinks I'm a Rams fan. No, I covered the Rams. And I lived in Los Angeles for, you know, 30 some odd years. So I have a pretty good um, grasp on things that are Los Angeles. And I respect the heck out of Raider Nation. There's no question about it. And I don't say when, 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 but I'm not a fan. Okay. So I'm not a fan of the Rams. I'm not a fan of the Raiders. I speak just from the heart and from, you know, the mind. I'm not trying to protect anybody. I'm not trying to defend anybody. It's not like that for me. I don't hate anybody. There's no, so when I see like the LA Lambs, I'm like, dude, you're 40 years old and you're talking like the LA Lambs. Like that's, that's, that's a fan thing and I get it, but I'm not, I don't think along those lines. So there's room enough for everybody. And this is what I'm going to say, because we got into an argument on Twitter about this. I'm just going to lay it out for everybody to understand, especially the people that don't live in California or live in Los Angeles. There's two teams that can legitimately say they own Los Angeles. It's the Lakers and the Dodgers. Everybody else falls below that. And when you're talking about the NFL, no doubt about it, the Raiders own uh, or or have a pretty big slice of the real estate there, but so do the Rams and so do the 49ers and really so do the Cowboys. I'm going to add the Cowboys there uh, as sort of a fourth team because they train in Southern California and have since the 70s. They have a strong foothold there. And then you have a whole bunch of 
um, teams that rent space in Los Angeles. And why is that? There's a couple of reasons. Number one, people move to Southern California from all over the country. So if you grew up in Cleveland, a Cleveland Browns fan, or Dallas as a Texas as a uh, Cowboys fan, or New England as a Patriots fan, or New York as a Giants fan, uh, or Philadelphia as an Eagle fan, and you move to California, and specifically Los Angeles and Southern California, which a lot of people do on a daily basis, and you bring your fandom with you, you're going to still be fans of the Giants and the Cowboys and the Patriots and the Eagles and the Browns and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of those fans, I know because my family was one of them. We moved here from New York. My dad was a New York Giants fan, a New York Mets fan, a New York Islanders fan, a New York Knicks fan. All right, so that's how I'm a New York Met fan uh, for my baseball team. I grew up a New York Met fan, um, you know. So that's happened, and my dad, you know, rest his uh, rest his soul. For as long as he lived in California, he never stopped his love for the New York Giants. So you have a lot of that, but you also have the fact that the Raiders and the Rams both left Los Angeles in 1994. Los Angeles, or the, the Rams went all the way to St. Louis. And they weren't even in L.A. at the time. They were in uh, Orange County. But so without a team to root for locally, your Raider fans stayed Raider fans. A whole bunch of Ram fans left the Rams, but a whole bunch of them stayed. I know that because I have plenty of friends that remained true to the Rams. Some kicked him to the curb. A bunch kicked him to the curb. A bunch didn't, all right? But then you had kids that were born in between from 1994 on to 2016. Those kids, a whole generation, grew up not having a local team to root for. So what happens in that kind of situation? Well, put yourself in Ames, Iowa, or Lincoln, Nebraska, or um, any other city that doesn't have an NFL team or state that doesn't have an NFL team. And California is really big, big. It's like three different states. So in Southern California and in Los Angeles and Orange County, there wasn't an NFL team. So a lot of kids grew up rooting for other teams. At that point in time, the 49ers were really good and, or, and have been a consistently good football team. There's been a few down years here and there, no doubt. A bunch of fans grew up as San Francisco 49er fans in Southern California. Their games uh, on the NFC channel were, were on a lot in Los Angeles, uh, as were the Raiders. So the Raiders continue to keep their foothold. But my, my point is this. There still are a lot of Ram fans in Los Angeles, and it's growing by the day. And it's okay to say that. I don't understand the protective nature of everybody to the point where you just deny reality. The Rams have gone to two Super Bowls, and won a Super Bowl in Los Angeles. It's going to only continue to grow. The longer they're there, which is going to be forever, probably, the more real estate they're going to start gobbling up. It's just inevitable. I'm not saying that because I love the Rams or I'm a Ram fan. I, I grew up hating the Rams. I grew up a Minnesota Vikings fan. We owned the Rams, and I would cry in games when the Rams beat the Vikings. Literally cry. It would crush me. I hated the Rams. So I'm not coming at this from any kind of a fan perspective. It's just a realist uh, perspective. The longer the Rams are there, the more real estate they're going to gobble up, especially if they're being successful. And right now, you can't argue against the success that they've had. Two Super Bowls in five years, a Super Bowl championship. Yeah, 
That's hitting a home run in Los Angeles. They've done everything that they can, and they'll continue to add on to their bandwagon. It's inevitable. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. 211 Steel Reserve is on the line. How you doing, brother? What's up, Vinny? I'm hey, good, man. man. I'm, I'm glad you uh, pointed out that because uh, I was going to come on here and ask you who is your team growing up or if you even have a team, but you answered that it's the Vikings. Because I hear a lot of people come down your road, man, and a lot of people don't do their homework. And you're just reporting the news, man. And I don't get why people come down and, you know, bash you across your head and, you know, constantly dog you out. But, okay, the dude's a Vikings fan. He's putting it out there. You know, let's keep it real. Was, 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 was. Not anymore. Was, was. So who's your team now? You got one. <laughs> I, I don't. I can't. Okay. I, I, I'm so consumed covering the Raiders now. And prior to that, the Rams. I mean, when you cover a team, you have got to just like you're singularly focused um, when you're the beat writer of a team. And I also do a radio show about the team. I don't have time really to, 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 to look into anything else. And I, and I can't be a fan covering the NFL. I just can't because it just clouds things. You have to be just completely neutral. Um, and so that's the only way that you could ob- objectively, really and truly objectively do your job. No, I, f- I feel respect that, and I get it, man. I'm glad you're putting that out there. But uh, like you're saying, though, man, I'm a realist, too. And I know that we, you know, we run L.A. right now. It's like, like you know, like Denzel Washington said in training day, put a chokehold on that beat. You and when you, say, and <laughs> when you say run L.A., it's be- you're saying basically that, of the NFL teams, there's more Raider fans than any other team. But but I to say that they run L.A. I did, only the Lakers and Dodgers can really claim that. Not well, then even you're the, just getting caught up in semantics. What's that? Then you're just getting caught up. Well, in semantics when I hear or run the, or what, the language of it, no, well, I, let I'm have taking it, it literally. That, well, let's just let them have it. If they're saying the, we have a bigger fan base in this just city. Say Say run oh, because so the Lakers. Now it's got to be. There's no definition. Run meets this threshold well, I think, compared no, to this. I already run know. is forty thousand, and you're saying that you no, only people, have twenty thousand. People, like, people you know. take things literally. They do. The Raiders do not run L.A. The Dodgers and Lakers are the only two teams that really almost have nearly exclusive rights to to you know. There's there's and there's a few Clipper fans, obviously, but the Lakers are the Lakers have ten million. Twitter followers, all right? That tells you how popular that team is, and, and especially in that city. They want, they went to 16 NBA finals from 1980 to, what, 2010, and won 10 of them. Uh, that's a lot of success, and obviously the Dodgers speak for themselves. Speaks for themselves. So of the NFL teams, yes, the Raiders have more fans than everybody else, but it's getting closer by the day, and my thing is still that eventually – with the with the Rams being there for the next X amount of years, they're going to su- surpass them. It's it's inevitable because you're going to have kids that are growing up that oh the Rams are the team here in Los Angeles, and I, I throw the Chargers in there, but I think it's going to be a little bit less for them because uh, the Rams do have you know a, they ha- they were there for 46 years. So is, is that what you're saying that they have more fans? Is he still there? Yeah, I oh. totally agree with you. That it is a Dodgers-Lakers town first. Right. But football-wise, we do run it as far as fan numbers. But I'm going to okay. tell you something. I'm going to get to your point real quick. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. Because if you would have went back in the day before the Patriots had the run, let's just take that for example, you couldn't find a Patriots fan outside of New England. But they started winning, and all of a sudden, you can actually go out there and find a New England fan almost in every city. Yep. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think the Rams are going to get their, their things going. If they get a good little run going, generation-wise, they're eventually going to outnumber Raider fans only because it's just, you know, like you said, generations are growing up with that fandom if that team is good. Right. But it's going to, it's not going to be I, – I think it's going to take more maybe 
three or four decades because you also got Raider fans that are diehards because their dads, their mm-hmm. cousins, their uncles, whatnot. And I think it'll always the Raiders will have at least a fifty percent footprint in that market, regardless. And that's just what I'm saying. I but, agree. Uh, I think the Raiders are always going to have um, are, are 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 always going to have a strong strong foothold. It's, it's and the other part of that still. And let's be honest, the Raiders are only a four-hour drive, three-hour drive, three-and-a-half-hour drive, depending on uh, how heavy your your foot is on the gas, away from Southern California and all parts of Southern California, whether we want to talk about San Diego, Riverside, San Bernardino, Los Angeles. Um, it's very close. So so for the Raiders being in Las Vegas, that's it's never going to change in terms of their foothold uh, in L.A., but... That's the reason why Crockett didn't want the Raiders to be the second fiddle in that stadium because he knew that the Raiders were going to come in there. It was going to be an all-Raider town if we would have been the co-tenant in that building. That's well, all i got to say, Mac. What would you all do? I hear you, brother. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I've had conversations with Rams people uh, about that very thing. And now, if you were to ask them now, they would tell you, Kind of would have rather had the Raiders be here because with that, they would have been going after the Raiders would have had their side of town and the Rams still would have had their side of town because they did. That always was the case when they were both there. The Rams had their side of town. The Raiders had uh, their side of town. It was cool. It was great. It was to me. It was like a and it was going to become if the Raiders were in Los Angeles, a USC UCLA situation where you had a city divided when you talk about, you know, 50 percent, even if it if it remains 50 percent. 50% of 25 million is a lot for both teams. And so, you know, um, it would have been a great situation. I think it all worked out with the Raiders here in Las Vegas, and it, and it really keeps them close to their, um, uh, you know, foothold that they have in Los Angeles. But I, I'm just, and I don't, I just don't get how, you know, some people are just so protective, like it's like it's damaging them to say that the Rams fan base is going to grow or even that there is a fan base for them in Los Angeles. There is I, I to say, oh, there's no fans. And it's that's craziness. It's utter craziness. I know because I covered the team. I was at, you know, uh, in Irvine when there would be 4000 people there for a training camp practice on a Wednesday afternoon. I've seen it firsthand. I've seen when the Raiders went to Oxnard to practice against the Cowboys and it was completely raidered out. I also saw when the Rams were in St. Louis and came back in 2015 to practice against the Dallas Cowboys in Oxnard, and it was all rammed out. So I've seen it from both sides, and it's not trying to disparage anybody. There's enough to go around. That's the part that rankles me a little bit is by pointing something positive out about one team, there's a fan base that thinks you're – throwing them under the bus. There's more than enough to go around, and the Raiders are never going to lose their foothold. It's always going to be a strong base in Southern California, but that doesn't mean that the Rams aren't going to be able to truly find their footing uh, as well. Maybe it'll get to a point where it's kind of a Dodger-Angels type of a situation. The Angels, you go look at the numbers prior to COVID. They were always bringing in 2 million, 3 million fans, high 2 millions, Three million fans per season at Anaheim Stadium, year in and year out. There's a lot of Angel fans over on that side of town. I could see something like that uh, occurring over the years where the Rams are 
along those lines, and the Raiders stay where they are. Um, and what what's ultimately going to happen are, are the 49er fans, the Cowboy fans, the, all of those fans that grew up as fans of other teams because there was no local team. That's the number that's going to change over the years in favor of the Rams, and there will always be Raider fans as well. Back out to the Raider Nation listen line. Gangster Raider is on the line. How you doing, Gangster Raider? Hey, I'm doing good. I want to congratulate you, the biggest um – Rams fan I know on y'all Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying? And you know this is the L.A. L.A. is going all the Raider town because when um when you was in here, the Raiders was in Anaheim. That's Orange County. The Rams were in Anaheim, a, but I go back way. I go back further than that, my brother. That's what I'm talking about. But I went to go see Anaheim. I went to go see Ram games. L.A. Can I went to go your show? Hey, I went to go see Ram games at the Coliseum. I went to go see and and you know what? Show? Can I talk? Well, don't, don't well. I, I'll let you talk, but don't throw out nonsense. Like you know what you're talking about. Calling me a Ram fan. I'm not a Ram fan. I already established that I was a Vikings fan growing up. Do you understand that? Funny. I was being facetious. Can I finish my comment, man? You this can, is your show. You you can rebut, rebut me after I get off the phone. No, I'll control. You know I'll control the pace of it. But just don't come on here trying to be facetious or anything like that. Just state what you got to say. Be serious and state what you got to say. Well, I'm trying to. Let me finish. You know, they, what, the, the Rams didn't have no side of town. They wasn't even in L.A. They was in Anaheim. That's like Disneyland, Orange County. They were that in Los really Angeles from 1946 to 1979. Just don't – you can't forget three decades, 40 years just like that because you want to. They were in Los Angeles at the Coliseum from 46 to 79. They were the first pro team in Los Angeles ahead of the Dodgers and ahead of the Lakers. Now, go on and, you know, try to keep it straight and try to keep the, the facts straight. Team. The Chargers was the first pro team in Los Angeles. You're going to tell the history, tell it right. The Chargers Wait. was the first pro team. The okay, LA Chargers was the first pro team. Let's try and to I do was some math. I five years old, 1979. Let's, so that don't count. Let's so try to do some the, when, when, let's when try I was do growing up, the Rams was in Anaheim. It wasn't even in town. It was in town. That's like Disneyland. Raider Nation ran LA. You know what I'm saying? They still run LA to this day. Gangster Raider. Know it. Gangster Raider. Stop for a second. And why don't we do some math? What's earlier? I was five what? years old, nineteen seventy nine. Do Not, that math. What? Okay. Nineteen seventy nine. I was five. All so right. that don't count. You think I remember anything about the Rams at five years old? I'm talking about when I was growing up. The Rams was in Anaheim. They didn't have no side of town. That's Orange County. You didn't think about the Rams till you was going to Disneyland. That's the only time you thought about the Rams. The Raiders was in L.A. at the Coliseum on the east side of for Los Angeles. Twelve Kansas, years. Down. For twelve years. Now, now stop for a second and listen to what I'm saying. You said the Chargers were the first pro team in Los Angeles. That's blatantly a lie. It's blatantly yeah, it false. It was the L.A. Chargers. Go look your history up. Al Davis was a wide receiver coach for the L.A. Chargers. What year was Go that? Go look it up. What year was that? It was before the Rams came. No, it's not, Raider. It's not. That was 1960. The Rams got here in 1946. Got in Los Angeles in 1946. If you're going to come on my show, have your facts straight. From 1946 to 1979, they played at the Coliseum. They were the first professional sports team, big sports team, to arrive in Los Angeles ahead of the Dodgers, ahead of the Lakers. 1946, the Los Angeles Chargers played one season in L.A. 1960, in the AFL, nobody went to go see their games. Now go ahead and go ahead and continue. I mean, the Chargers was the original L.A. football team, as far as I'm concerned. Now, in 46, now you might be right. But all that was before I'm not my time. Might be right. I am right. <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. I might be right. You might, might be right. But, said, Gangster says I might be right. You might be you, right. You might be right. But for, for all I'm concerned, the Chargers was the first. You're LA one team. person. 
You're one Listen, person, and you don't have your facts straight. All right, we're going to go back out. Well, if you're okay, I'll let you finish if you state correct information. Uh, I was wrong about the Chargers being the original team. Thank you. But the Anaheim would all from '79 to win '97. They was in Anaheim. '94. That's not even L.A. '94. That's not even L.A. That's not even L.A. County. That's Orange County. That's like Disneyland. So they didn't have no side of town. Every so kid that I grew up with on on my street in Ventura, California, which was Southern California, further south than Los Angeles of Anaheim, was a Ram fan. People in L.A. and Southern California and Los Angeles County, Ventura County, uh, they didn't just jump ship from the Rams when they moved to Anaheim. Raider, you were five years old in 79. I got you on some years, okay? I know my history, all right? And and what you've been saying the whole throughout was wrong. Everything that you said was wrong. So just, you know, at least have some respect to say, oh, okay, I was wrong. I see. Okay, I got what you said. Back out to the Raider Nation listen line. Allen in Vegas. Come on, you got him? Hello? Alan in Vegas. Hey, Vinny, how you doing? Good, brother. Hey, man. Um, let me try to help you to your point. So the Chargers started in L.A. 1950s, but they were only there for one season and then moved to San Diego. Of course. So they, yeah, so they are not part of Los Angeles. No. And, and they've, they've come back, and they're still not part of Los Angeles. I mean, I remember the two seasons at, uh, at the soccer field were the Raider Nation overwhelmed no doubt no doubt seats. yeah and the same thing at SoFi in the next year when we play the Rams at SoFi the Raider Nation will be there as well it's just it's, that's a that's a Ram town that's a Raider town it's certainly not not a Charger town yeah like I'm I'm with you on there the Chargers have zero foothold they're they're like infants in that whole process and so I can totally agree with that because that's factual to sit here and say there were no Ram fans from 1980 uh, on it's just not. I know them. I I grew up alongside them. Uh, I don't know where Gangster Raider grew up, and he had his crew. I had his crew, but to say to sit there and just say that there were no, there was no one talking about the Rams. Come on, man. Yes, there were, and there were plenty of Ram fans uh, during those years, and they got there in 1946. And I'm, and it's not taking anything away from the Raiders who have a very strong foothold in Los Angeles to also acknowledge that so do the Rams and that's continuing to grow. It's not threatening to anybody. It's not hurting anybody. Uh, Nobody's besides maybe pride, I guess, but like, what does it matter if the Rams continue to grow as will the Raiders? And I clearly say that, but what does it matter? Why are, why is there, is it because the Rams won the Super Bowl and people are a little bit, you know, upset about that, that the Raiders, you know, didn't win a Super Bowl. Is, Is it because of that? That they're kind of guarded and a little bit protective and maybe a little bit, um, you know, uh, uh, taking a little bit more personal right now. Is that what it is? I don't I, I just don't get it. I think that growing up covering USC and UCLA where, you know, that there was two sides of the town. It was actually really cool to see that, to see UCLA you know, take over one side of the Coliseum and then to see USC take over the other side of the Coliseum or Rose Bowl when USC and UCLA played football, that's that puts pride in my heart for Los Angeles. And I, you can't hate on one and hate on the other. I don't hate anybody anyway. So um, I think it's actually pretty cool. And I don't see why everyone, uh, it strikes such a nerve to say that the Rams um, are going to do okay and are doing okay in Los Angeles. Bill is online. How you doing, Bill? Hello. What's up, Bill? Hey, man. Hey, Benny. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Number one, I just want to say back to what Raider was saying about L.A.'s original team. Technically, he is correct. The Rams were for Cleveland. Remember? Right, and the Raiders were from Oakland. 
<laughs> no, no, but he's talking about the Chargers being, you know, like the Angels. The Angels actually are even more a village original. But he said he said they were the first, and they weren't. They were not the first professional team, and they they were there for a half of a second in the whole scheme. He was trying to say he didn't know that the Rams got there in 1946. That's that was his uh, error. He he thought that the that the Chargers got there before the Rams. They didn't. But go ahead. Okay. Well, either way, I'm just saying. You know, I guess like Jamon said, the semantics of things. But, um, you know, I just kind of want to come on record and say, you know, I live here in Whittier, Whittier, California, which is kind of right in the middle between L.A. and... Love Whittier. Uh, right in the middle. Yeah, thank you. Right in the middle of Whittier is like right between L.A. and Orange County, yeah. right? It's kind mm-hmm. of right in the middle. I remember growing up here, um, a lot of my white friends, which when I was growing up in the early 80s, a lot of my friends were white. All of my white friends liked the Rams. A lot of those people, though, they all left. They've, they've moved out of like this part of L.A. County. And the people that came into Whittier are mostly Latinos. Mm-hmm. And so if you know anything about really about L.A. and what it is right now, the majority of people living here are Latinos. Yes. And, you know, as a teacher, I teach kids. And uh, I will tell you that as my students, majority of them are not Rams fans. Vinny, I know you, you know. Uh, no, I hear you. I hear you. They're just not. They're like those people you're talking about that have been born in a time when there wasn't a pro team. And their parents were kind of more in that, you know, mid-90s time frame. Right, right. And they were the people that became, you know, 49ers fans, uh, Cowboys fans, yep. uh, Patriots fans. But my point is, right now, currently, if you remember back to those two preseason games we've had in L.A. with the Raiders and the Rams, yeah, it was an avalanche of Raider fans. Even last year, just last year at SoFi, it was an avalanche. And I just feel like so many people want to, like you keep saying, it's not even close. It's like USC football and UCLA football. It's not even close. Well, there's the still a lot of UCLA gone. football fans, and they just haven't been doing very well, and that's kind of why they've been fitting it out for a little while. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned something, Bill. Uh, you talk about Whittier. There's, and you know this living in that, you know, part of California. Los Angeles, it's not A, it's just not, it's not just Los Angeles. There's also Santa Barbara. There's also Los, Ventura County. There's Riverside County. There's San Bernardino County. Uh, and to me, that's all part of Southern California and kind of the Los Angeles region. So I think everyone kind of gets caught up in their own neighborhood, which is great. But there's so much. It's, Los Angeles is so vast that there's room for everybody. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. It is day two, officially, of the offseason, uh, and I can't wait to really get started. Uh, a couple of weeks, I'll be in Indianapolis to cover the uh, scouting combine, so I'll get a chance to... Uh, Really hear from uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. Uh, at that point, they'll have been on the job for about a month, getting hot and heavy with the draft, uh, with free agency. It's really a great time, and I'm fascinated, and I cannot wait to see what kind of an imprint the new leaders of the Raiders football side of things uh, puts on this operation. I really believe uh, that, that Ziegler and Josh McDaniels are very eager to get this thing to the next level as quickly as possible. Um 
And I, I really think that the Raiders are just a few moves away from really taking a big leap into uh, a, a much higher atmosphere. I just feel it. I can see it. I can sense it. It's going to take the right moves. You can't afford uh, any, you know, many whiffs. Um, and, and I think that that's what's going to be so fascinating for me this offseason to see what direction they take in the draft and what direction they take in free agency to kind of shore up some of these holes. I think we could all agree um, they're going to need more explosiveness uh, at wide receiver. I wide receiver one, if you want to go there, Devontae Adams is a name that's being bandied about. The draft has some really good uh, wide receivers as well. Offensive line, linebacker, we're going to get all into it, but it's really a fun time of year. Uh, and, and for the Raiders, an extremely important time of year because they're close. They are close. Just a few moves away, I think. Back out to the Raider Nation guest line to welcome in a good friend of ours, uh, my colleague over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, um, Sam Gordon, who was up in Oakland on Monday to cover the John Madden tribute. Uh, Sam, thanks for spending some time with us uh, in the huddle. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, anytime. Vinny, doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I got a chance to, uh, you know, catch the tribute um, on television, and uh, obviously it was going to be emotional. There's going to be some light moments. Uh, it is John Madden, after all. Uh, and to see some of his you know, disciples and protégés and people that you know, knew him back when uh, and, and you know, uh, are, are pe- people who consider him somewhat of a, um, you know, of a role model to them, especially in the coaching uh, industry, it was really cool to see. What was the general vibe uh, up there at the Oakland Coliseum on, on Monday? Yeah, it was it was it was all love. I think that was kind of the the, the vibe that I got. Is it was a, a memorial held for a man that that so many people around the world and so many people, you know, so many people in the NFL love, um, and it was held in a place that he loved in Oakland, in a stadium that he loved, the Oakland Oakland Coliseum. And when everybody spoke, you could get the sense that just how genuinely beloved this guy was in so many different ways. It's um, it was just it was it was awesome seeing just the luminaries, Andy Reid, Rob Rivera. Um, so on and so forth. His son Mike was was of course one of the speakers, the final speaker. His wife Virginia. Um, you had Raider fans, right? Like longtime Raider fans tailgating in the parking lot, but tailgating the the memorial as if it was a, a Raider game. That's how deep their love for for John Madden runs, and of course their love for the, the franchise. There was um, you know a nostalgic sense, if, if you will, um, in the in the area as well, uh, just about what he meant to the the, the Raiders, what he meant to what he meant to Oakland and what he meant to football overall. So uh, it was, I, like you said, I think there was a nice balance of, you know, emotional kind of tributes and stories um, that reflected just who he was, not just in the confines of football or coaching or broadcasting, but who he was as a person, how he was able to connect with so many different people from all walks of life and how genuine um, his love and passion were for the things that, that he cared about, which were, of course, sports and, and people. And, um, and, and it was it was a it was a very very uh, you know emotional but at the same time fun and, and beautiful scene uh, in, in Oakland and you know frankly I don't think he would have wanted it any other way with kind of the the plethora of stories and, and sentiments that were shared I think you know the viewers and, and the audience on hand was really able to, to kind of uh, get a full picture of, of who John Madden was and why he why he means so much to the Bay and the Raiders in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. And and when you think of John Madden, uh, you think about Oakland. You think about the Bay Area um, where he's from. Um, you know, he was he was a Bay Area guy through and through. Uh, stayed there. Um, you know, uh, the rest of his life. And and obviously. From the coaching perspective, um, you know he was the Oakland Raiders uh, for the longest, yeah. and 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 it was great, you know, as a as a kid. And I kind of even had a sense of this 
um, you know, when they won the Super Bowl, because for so many years the Oakland Raiders were on the doorstep and couldn't quite, you know, uh, crack that door open enough to get to the Super Bowl. It was a lot of bitters, bitterness and heartache and all that. To finally see him win it against my Vikings, by the way, uh, at the Super Bowl in Pasadena, you know, uh, to see that happen. And then he just said, hey, you know what? I'm done. I did what I need, what I set out to do. Uh, it's time to go uh, move on in life. But again, having it there up in the Bay Area, it was it was so appropriate because when you think of John Madden, you think of Oakland. Yeah, you you do, and the two are synonymous. And I think that was really kind of prevalent or, or, or noticeable as well. Just kind of how deep the connection between him uh, and the Bay Area is. And you know, his family still lives there. He's got grandsons now that play at Bishop O'Dowd, the powerhouse high school. Up there, and, and again, they're, they're absolutely synonymous. That was that was kind of the message, and we heard the speakers talk about it. That's where he would have wanted it to be. That's where his family wanted it to be at that stadium uh, in that city in in Oakland in the Bay, where he spent you know so many great years. And uh, and and it, it you could really feel just how much the Bay Area uh, misses misses the Raiders. I know the you know it was a sixty thousand or fifty thousand seat stadium, and you probably had in between seven hundred fifty and a thousand people in attendance. So maybe that you know that isn't super obvious to the naked eye. But there's the, just the kind of the energy in the city, and again in the parking lot, and hearing the Raider chants, um, even from you know young fans that probably hardly remember. Um, certainly when the Raiders were good in Oakland, but even the Raiders in, in Oakland in general, you had five, six, seven, eight year old fans that were there that are already having an understanding of, of what John Madden and what the Raiders need uh, to the Bay. So even though the Raiders are here in Las Vegas, and of course we're grateful to have them, um, they still in a way belong to Oakland, and John Madden will always, you know, there will always be pride for John Madden in, in Oakland as well. Because again, like you said, they're, they're, they're one and the same. Um, they're synonymous, and, and he's so much of a reason, so much of the reason uh, that, that the Raiders are, are still have the, the iconic status that they have today for, for, for what he was able to do throughout the course of his life, how he represented them on the sidelines and how he represented the league um, and football uh, in the broadcast booth and, and with video games and everywhere else. Um, it was just kind of the perfect the perfect marriage and the perfect uh, place to, to lie him to rest. Yeah, it's one of the unique things about covering the Raiders um, when you when you really understand, and I, I don't know if there's a franchise that uh, has ever done this or pulled this off, um, but when you think about it, you know, uh, relocating a couple of times, but still always maintaining the ties to their former home. That doesn't always happen, uh, but whether you're talking about the Bay Area or Southern California, and now obviously here in Los Angeles, or excuse me, Las Vegas, it makes for a great setting because they have reach out and close reach uh, to both of their former markets that will never abandon them uh, and are in close proximity for them to still support them and still get out to games. Um, it's it's really kind of a unique situation. Uh, all right, so of the people that did speak, uh, who in particular really uh, struck a nerve with Sam Gordon? Yeah, uh, the big one, I think the big one for me was, was his son, Mike, who, and of course his wife too, the family members uh, all that talked about him because they – you know, everybody kind of knew John. That that talk I thought knew him more than more than just as as a man. You know, involved in football and a football luminary. But there there was just kind of an extra element or an extra layer of perspective that I thought we were able to get from them. And of course, you know, his, his son caps the whole thing with a beautiful with a beautiful um, eulogy or, or, or speech, if you will, whatever term you want to use. And then and then the the, the great Virginia Matt in, in the middle with her in her interview with with the great Tom Rinaldi, I think, just kind of really. The, the emotion that she was able to convey and the authenticity, uh, she really garnered a, a strong, strong response from the fans that were still in attendance. And, and you could tell just how much the moment 
meant to those two. But but everybody shared great perspective. I thought you had some of his former broadcasting colleagues. You had people that played for him. You had other coaches that he influenced and inspired. I thought uh, Ron Rivera shared a story about how you know John John Madden encouraged him to be himself as a coach and to, to have more confidence in his instincts. And you know, lo and behold, Riverboat Ron is now a, a full blown persona. That was in part because of. John Madden. And Andy Reid consulted John Madden before taking the Chiefs gig uh, because that's how much he respected his opinion. And, and John Madden was Madden was was honest with him, even though this is a rival, even though this is a team that Madden, you know, essentially hated. Of course, he was very he was fair in his, all his broadcasts and whatnot. But this, you know, John Madden was a Ra- Raider through and through, and yet he encouraged um, Andy Reid to take this job and talked about the possibilities and whatnot. So even though those Raider ties are deep, like. Madden loved football and he loved the NFL above else and wanted football to be um, in a great place. So they, everybody, you know, touched on kind of his legacy in a unique way, but those were the ones um, that, that really jumped out to me. They, they were, they were awesome. They were beautiful. You had a, a tributary um, song at the beginning uh, that, that was fantastic as well by Henry Lawrence, the former two-time all-pro um, left tackle of rendition of uh, uh, Amazing Grace or offensive lineman. I'm not sure if he's left tackle or not, but offensive lineman and the honorary member of the All-Madden team. So everybody everybody had something that they brought to the table. And, again, I thought you were really able to paint a full picture of who Madden was, you know, in the broadcast booth on the sideline and then as a man away from football, too. No doubt about it. And we're talking to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review uh, Journal, my colleague uh, over at Vegas Nation. Uh, all right, Sam, uh, since the last time we talked, the Raiders made uh, a whole bunch of moves on the coaching staff, but a couple in particular uh, that I that I wanted to bring up uh, real quick. Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, uh, formerly of the New York Giants, uh, and then Mick Lombardi, the new offensive coordinator, formerly of the New England Patriots. Uh, obviously, Josh McDaniels is going to call the plays offensively. We, we understand that. Um, but uh, in both cases, and I know there's big pictures involved and a lot that both you know uh, coordinators have to cover, but what particularly stood out to me was the success that the Patriots had in the red zone and come to find out that Mick uh, Lombardi, the new offensive coordinator, handled the game planning for the Patriots last year in the red zone. They were seventh in the NFL in touchdown scoring percentage, 63.63. Mandatory evacuation. All residents on east side of Big Pine evacuate immediately for an active wildfire in the Big Pine area east of 395. Evacuation Center at Bishop Senior Center. The red zone. Uh, so two areas, I think. I don't know whether that was the specific reason or one of the reasons or whatever the case might be in these two hires. But you got to believe that both guys now here, um, they're going to get to work on that side of the field because as we talked about on our podcast today, that's money time right there, whether you're defending the red zone or as an offense in the red zone. Yeah, absolutely. Vinny. I mean, it's in 2022 now, 2021, going into 2022. Uh, we, the quarterback play has never been better. The coaching has never been more sophisticated. The skill position players, I mean, everything is going to naturally evolve. And along with the, some of the rule changes, Teams are going to move the ball, right? Like you're gonna get, you're gonna have opportunities to move the ball. I think the hallmark of good teams, you know, on both sides of the ball, like you touched on, can you hold teams to three in big spots when you need to, and can you score seven when you have to? And I think the Super Bowl, we're coming off of a game, but it was a prime example where the Bengals were down in the red zone twice with opportunities to, to seal the game or to pull away, and they have to set, settle for field goals. And uh, conversely, when on the biggest drive of the game, when it was money time. 
uh, the Rams the Rams scored a touchdown. They went for the Zuggler and scored a touchdown and on three of their four scorings. They only had to kick one field goal. They got three touchdowns. The Bengals got two. Both teams kicked a couple field goals, and, and lo and behold, that's the difference, right? So uh, that, that area of the, of the field is so important. And even if the Raiders are incrementally better on both sides, even if they jump up from, say, 29th you know, to 15th or just in the middle of the pack on both sides, that's maybe an extra win or two because for years, it feels like we've been talking about this for years, because uh, it has been an issue for years, the, Ra- the Raiders have just stalled out or haven't been able to stop teams as efficiently on their- that area of the field uh, for whatever reason. So, it- again, over time, incremental improvements, I think that-, that-, that paves the way to another win or two. And if you, you, know, you go from 10 and 6 to 11 and- or 10 and 7 to 11 and 6 or, or maybe 12 and 5, like that's maybe that changes the entire kind of trajectory of your playoff run. And, and-, and I-, I do, I'm with you. I do expect. I do think that those those had to be at least considerations in the hires, not, maybe not the main reason, but if this team is more efficient in the red zone, obviously they're going to have the opportunity to win more games, and, and that is one of the, um, no doubt about it, one of the, the areas for improvement that they, they need to address. And now, um, you know, like you said, with, with the combine and the draft and free agency all around the corner, now we're going to see how the brain trust goes about adding personnel that they think can help in those specific areas. It's super exciting, and, and the NFL season, it never stops. It just seems like it continues. Now we're already prepping for 2022. So excited to see how everything builds out. And, again, I think the staff, um, there's a lot of intrigue with the coaching staff and Dan's put together. Yeah, and before I let you go, uh, when you think about it, for the for the Raiders to have won 10 games uh, while being last in red zone defense and 29th in red zone offense, it tells you really how close this team is, and I, I firmly believe that. It's now a matter of not overhauling um, or not all these you know various holes to fill. There's some holes to fill. Every team uh, faces that going into an offseason, um, and, and I'm sure they're, gonna, they're, they're already working on how to close those holes. But really, it's just about refining some areas of the field. And if you, like you said, can get incrementally better both defensively and offensively in the red zone, you're looking at maybe 12 wins last year. If they just had done that last year, uh, so if you project forward, it's very feasible that if they do fix those areas, uh, we're looking at probably potentially a 12-win team, and that can make all the difference in the world. Sam Gordon, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. You know I always love your insight. Uh, Great job up in Oakland uh, earlier this week, and I look forward to talking to you down the road, my friend. Oh, I appreciate it, Vinny. Talk soon. Thanks again. You got it. That was Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal. You're in the huddle of Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on Wednesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Big Jose in San Jose is on the Raider Nation listener line. How you doing, Big Jose? I'm doing well, Vinny, and I want to give you uh, kudos and props for maintaining your composure and being the absolute professional that you are. It's much appreciated. Thank um, you, man. That little exchange you had reminds me of the calls that I used to have to one uh, legendary man by the name of Pete Franklin when he <laughs> used to uh, be up here, and uh, he would let you have it, though. He wasn't as composed as you. And I remember calling him every day for 10 years, telling him the Raiders are coming back to Oakland, and he'd always hang up on me calling me a knucklehead. <laughs> and then the day they announced that the Raiders were coming back to Oakland. Of course I called in, and he said, you know what, i got to give it to you. For 10 years you <laughs> called in, I guess I'm the one that's a knucklehead. But, yeah, um, you know, kudos to the Rams fans for bringing a, you know, a, a Super Bowl home. And um, I just want to say that, you know, that, yeah, yes, there are Raiders. Will have, the Raiders will can always have a footprint in Los Angeles because um, 
we have this identity of loyalty over geography. Right. We are a nation, right? And so we follow our teams. But Oakland will always be home and the birthplace of the Raider Nation. And um, the, 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 new, the new arena in Las Vegas is beautiful, but it's got a long ways to go to compare the games that you had at the Coliseum. I was at that October 6th night when Charles Woodson picked off uh, Rivers in the end zone. I was there. And I was at the last game this year, you know, when San Diego. Yep. At the very last game of the year to get a playoff. And the energy was good, but it wasn't Oakland good. You know what I mean? So that's what I have. Thank you very much. You got it, brother. Uh, thanks for the call. Always uh, feel free to give me a call anytime you know that, Big Jose. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Passionate Raider is on the line. How you doing, Passionate Raider? What up, Benny? What up, Benny? What up, Jamar? Hey, Benny, you know, I was just sitting here thinking last night. I was just all day long thinking about the, the last night you are talking about the contract issue and whatnot. Yeah. You know, we, we understand it's a business and every man's going to get what they're deserved. And, and what is deserved, you know, but my, my thing is, and, and I'm thinking, I'm not thinking about like the player because we, we know the issues with the player. We know what's going on, what's happened, this, this coaching, this, 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 and this, but he's already gotten paid once, which is still doesn't give an excuse, but I'm thinking of the long term of the team. Like I'm, I'm hoping these guys get in the room together and they think of that they can come up with a contract that's going to be suitable for him, but that's also going to be able to give him the pieces that we need. Because as you know, Vinny, we, don't, we need defensive linemen. We need a cornerback. We need a wide receiver. We're going to need maybe maybe another runner, but we're going to need a right tackle, a right guard. I mean, we got a lot of areas. So I hope maybe for the next two years they can make this be a friendly deal so we can win that trophy. Everyone knows they can get paid, but there's rules that have to go and play with limits, and we need pieces to win because – you know, they say that Matthew Stafford got to go straight to one team in his first year he won. But, and they say, well, he stacked the team. But if you really think about it, look at the players that got hurt before year, through the year, why they had to sign the players. Uh, 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 Von Miller didn't even play for the first two games when he got there. They had to play without him. They still had – it wasn't easy. He was held to be a one-dimensional quarterback. Can Derek Carr survive that long being a one-dimensional quarterback? So there's a lot of things that go into all this money issue that I hope they think for the long term of the team and build a team that he can win with and not him just get the big check. And then here we are trying to put pieces together again because we gave one man the the bag. That's all I'm saying, Benny. Thanks for taking my call. I hear you. I hear you, uh, Pastor. Check this out. Uh, the Rams this year were on their salary cap. Goff was owed a whole bunch of money under the salary cap and, uh, you know, affecting their salary cap along with Goff. I mean, along with Stafford. So it was probably... I'd have to look at the numbers, $60 million or something like that. They were devoting to one position, whether it was the dead cap for Goff and what they were paying um, Matthew Stafford. Here's my thing. Uh, I don't think that – I Derek Carr is not looking to break the bank. Um, and when you see something like $40 million being thrown around, which is, uh, I, I think, uh, a comfortable number for two years, $40 million in 2023, $40 million uh, in 2024 – that seems like a lot of money. I get it, and I understand it. But it would still give the Raiders flexibility to go out and still continue to build around them. Uh, that salary cap's going to be, by 2024, $220 million or so. If you are smart, and the Raiders have very capable, one of the best uh, cap gurus in the NFL, uh, you should be able to pay the quarterback that, 
a going rate uh, and it'll still be under market and still be able to successfully build around him. So I wouldn't worry too much about paying Jer- uh, uh, Derek Carr and have it affect the, the salary cap in such a way that they can't get other things done. They'll be able to do that. Uh, we were out of here just a little bit early today by an hour. Stay tuned for the uh, John Madden tribute, which is coming right up uh, after we get off. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.